and they would come up and say, do you want to be a believer? Here it is, right here. You have to do all 613. You need to be circumcised. And one of the themes in the epistle of Galatians is that of the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. And I'll talk about that freedom a little bit more in a moment. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right, as you find your places, you can also find your place in the Bible at Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We're going to be looking at God who works effectively. It has been said that the book of Galatians is kind of like a commentary to the book of Romans. Paul goes into great detail about salvation and through grace, through Christ alone, and the liberty that we have in Christ. And here in the book of Galatians, he's teaching the same message, but he's condensed it for the churches there and condensed it for us. He's telling his story, and and we have uh, been learning a little bit about that. Last week, we learned how... Paul had uh, been accused of preaching a man-made doctrine, a gospel that was not of Christ, and, and he was just in defense of his apostleship. He says that I am an apostle in, in chapter 1, verse 1, not by men, not through man, but through Jesus Christ. It's the Lord Jesus who called me and made me an apostle. And then in verse 11, he picks up that defense, and he says that the gospel which he preached was not according to man. He didn't receive it from men, nor was he taught it, but it came through the revelation or through revelation of Jesus Christ. So he said, the gospel that I preached, the Lord taught me this gospel. And now he goes into chapter two and he brings us 14 years after he became a believer in Jesus Christ. And in that 14th year, he heads back to Jerusalem for his second time. During this time, he's going to find three guys in particular, James, the half-brother of Jesus. In in the Gospels, we are more familiar with James and John, uh, the sons of thunder, the sons of Zebedee. But by this time, John's brother James has been killed. When we mention James, we're talking about the half-brother of Jesus, meaning that after Jesus was born, that Joseph and Mary had a larger family, and um, there were other sons birthed to Mary and Joseph. And so we mentioned James. We find him in the 
book of Acts chapter 15, when they have the Jerusalem council to kind of deal with this issue that Paul is writing about now, James kind of finishes the decision and says, this is what we're going to do. And so because of Acts chapter 15, uh, that tells us that James was considered the head of the church in Jerusalem. And so he was a person of high authority. There's three people, Peter also, and John, that Paul went up to present the gospel, the message that he was preaching to the Gentiles. He went up to, to present it and to lay it out and said, this is what I've been teaching for the last 14 years. And he wanted to know, was he on track or not? Now, in reality, he knew he was because back in chapter 1, verse 12, he said, I learned this message from Jesus himself. And so I would take the word of Jesus over man any day. But sometimes we can get a word from Jesus and then we can begin to drift. The word is still true, but we can drift and take it far away from what the Lord originally said. And so I believe this defense that he brings it to Jerusalem, I believe it was a check. And it's not bad for us to check, even in our own relationship, how are we doing as far as walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, how is our walk? It's not a bad thing to have a heart check every once in a while and make sure we're still on the right path, we're still on track, we're still obedient to God's Word. And I believe that, in a sense, this is some of what Paul is doing, but he's telling us this whole thing because he's writing to the churches in Galatia, which were made up of several different churches, but he's writing to the churches in that region there and he's wanting them to know that the gospel that I preached to you was accurate. It was correct. You don't have to worry about the Judaizers and these men who came up from Jerusalem who were preaching a different gospel. They were preaching Christ plus circumcision plus the law of Moses. Then you can truly be saved. And so they brought a different gospel. And we always need to be careful to make sure that the gospel that we are standing upon is the same gospel that we have received. And we have a world today that is trying to preach to us a different gospel. That, well, one of the things they like to preach is that there, they know that there are many gods that are worshipped, but they try to teach us that all these gods are the same God. So it doesn't matter who you worship, as long as you're worshiping God, he's the same so they're all one. That's a different gospel. That's not true. There are some religions, we would call them cults, and the true definition of a cult is someone who takes the gospel of Jesus Christ, or I guess one of the definitions of a cult, but you tie it to Jesus, but then you begin to preach something else other than Jesus. There's Right now, I, one of the headlines this morning is, a woman out in California who um, they're trying to find these people because they're worried that perhaps there's another smaller scale of a Jim Jones where people are going off to wait for Christ and possibly taking their life. They have abandoned everything. And it's interesting when you read the names, it was three women and all their children, basically, from three years old all the way to 17, and then the three mothers of, I'm assuming, these children. And right now there's a hunt for them. It appears that this one woman began to teach 
a different gospel. Now, she tried it six months ago, saying that there was going to be a major earthquake. They needed to get away and wait for the Lord to come. And what happened is one of the gals who was in that cult went home and told her husband. Her husband called the police, and there was no major earthquake in California. There's been a lot of major earthquakes in the world, but it didn't happen and so that would tell me right away that she's a false prophet. Her word, you know, if she was supposed to have been waiting for Jesus six months ago, but now she's made the move. It's a different gospel. When we add to the message, and that's what Paul is fighting. And so he said, after 14 years, verse 1 of chapter 2, I went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took also Titus with me. And I went by revelation and communicated to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to those who have reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. So after 14 years, after he's been a believer now for 14 years, he took the message that the Lord had taught him. He had been preaching for those 14 years, and it was a good message because he closes out chapter 1 telling us, that the churches in Judea were hearing about Paul saying this in verse 23, he who formerly persecuted now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God in me. So the message was good. People were glorifying God because of the work that God was doing in Paul's life, through Paul's life. But after 14 years, he heads to Jerusalem. He talks to James, to Peter, and to John. And he, he does this privately, and he says, guys, this is what I've been preaching. Am I on track? Am I still running the course that the Lord has set before me? That was his question. In verse 3, the answer comes because he says, yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Now, if his message was wrong, if it was Jesus plus circumcision, then Titus would have had to have been circumcised. And he says the message wasn't wrong. They said, Titus, who was a Greek, who was with me, they didn't make him get circumcised. So the message is, is true, and it's also been accepted by the mother church in Jerusalem. Let's go over to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Now, this event in Acts 15 took place after Paul wrote the book or the epistle of Galatians, but it gives us an idea of the message that Paul was preaching, but also the message that the Judaizers were preaching also. In Acts chapter 15, verse 1, it says, certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the customs, custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, meaning that Paul and Barnabas got right in their face, and it was not a small thing, it was a big thing. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and a certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about the question. Now, what they were preaching was the necessity of circumcision in verse 5. Um, it tells us, but some of that sect of the Pharisees. So Paul was a Pharisee. Now we find out who they are. They're Pharisees, the guys who love to keep the law. Um, 400 years before this time, they were the back to the Bible people. They were like Calvary chapels. They liked to get into the word of God. But 400 years later, they took the word of God and they added to the law of Moses basically refers to the Ten Commandments. 
over time, they added to the Ten Commandments because it's, you know, what does God mean when he says, you shall have no other God before me? What does he mean when he says, you should honor your father and mother? What does God mean when he says, thou shall not kill? And so they wanted the definition of these. Through the definition or the defining of God's law, they turned the ten into 613, mostly don'ts. Now, ten are hard to keep. In fact, ten are impossible to keep. But don't give me a book of 613 rules. And that's what the Pharisees were saying. Look, they need to keep. And they would come up and say, you want to be a believer? Here it is, right here. You have to do all 613. You need to be circumcised. And one of the themes in the epistle of Galatians is that of the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. And I'll talk about that freedom a little bit more in a moment. Most recently, there was a guy who came into the Chicagoland area. I don't know if it was Chicago or Milwaukee. And I, don't, I didn't meet the guy. I don't know who he is. But this is what was said. He was coming and he's saying, I'm from Costa Mesa. And so a pastor friend of mine called Costa Mesa, the school of ministry, where he said he was from. And the school of ministry said, we had to kick this guy out. He's not one of us. And yet he's coming to Chicago saying, I'm from Costa Mesa. I was at the school of ministry. Now, what he doesn't tell us is that he was kicked out of the school of ministry and he never graduated from the school of ministry or any of that. But he has this appearance of, ooh, Costa Mesa, which is the founding church of the Calvary chapels. We need to be listening to this guy. In reality, we don't. And so it can happen today, too, just as it was happening then. Men from Judea, they came from Jerusalem. They were Pharisees, and they began to teach the Gentiles, this is what you need to do in order to truly be saved. And what they were saying is that Paul really isn't an apostle, and the message that he's preaching is not accurate, it's not complete. And if you really want to be saved, this is what you need to do. Now, who really wants to be saved? I do. I want to know when I die, I'm going to heaven. Now, what if someone comes and says, you know, you're close, but you're not quite there. And they were adding to the message of the gospel of Christ. But by saying that, they could get the ear of the people because the people really wanted to go to heaven. They wanted to be with Jesus. They wanted to have their sins forgiven. And they were saying, this is what you need to do. But Paul said, not even Titus, who was Greek, who was uncircumcised, was compelled to be circumcised. But this occurred because of false brother. Now we find out about these guys who came up from Judea. Verse 4, this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came up by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. In verse 5, Paul says, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. So he says, this happened. This happened because of false brethren. They came up in stealth. They came up secretly. And he said they tried to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a key because the book of Galatians teaches us about the liberty, the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. But this is the first time that the word liberty is used in the epistle of Galatians. It's always important to take note of first mentions. I mean, this is a thing. 
liberty, freedom in Christ Jesus. And this is the first mention. And it's associated with the false doctrines that were coming from the Pharisees that were coming out of Judea, out of Jerusalem. And he says they came in stealth. They came like Jesus said, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. And they had the look of the church. They had the look of a believer in Jesus Christ, but they were nothing more than wolves in sheep's clothing. He said, we have liberty. And it's a theme that we find throughout uh, this epistle in chapter 4, verse 31. Um, He's talking about Abraham having two wives, one Hagar, which was a bondwoman, the other one Sarah, which was a free woman. But he concludes that argument, which we'll look at in a few weeks. He says, so then, brethren, we are not of the children of the bondwoman, but of the free. And what he is saying that if you want to be circumcised and obey the law, there's nothing wrong with obeying the law. But if you think you're obeying the law to gain salvation, he said, then you're coming under bondage that Christ never intended you to be under. He said, we are not under the bondwoman, but we are of the free. We are of Sarah. We are as Isaac was, which the Lord, his name meant laughter. The freedom that we have in in chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free, and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Again, I can look at this, and, and we will in probably a month from now, we'll look at it in more detail, but instantly I read that verse. It says, do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. We can instantly think of what Paul was arguing against, the uh, Judaizers and circumcision and the keeping of the law for the necessity of salvation. But when I look at that, I think more so because, you know, I'm not worried about the Judaizers. That's not an issue in my life. But I know that I can easily be entangled with my past life, the things that drawn me down, that was actually there to destroy me, that I can get once again entangled in that. And when that happens, then I am no longer standing in the liberty by which Christ has set us free. And so we have that danger as believers today to get entangled up in a yoke of bondage of whatever that yoke is. I was talking to uh, one of my pastor friends that went to the school of ministry, lives out in uh, California now. And this past summer, we're driving back from the conference, and I don't know what, where the subject came from, but I have, for many, many years, guarded my life over sexual indulgence as far as outside of marriage. And, and I told um, Pastor Jeff, I said, it used to be so easy because I don't watch R-rated movies. I don't expose myself to the possibility of the images. I didn't bring the magazines home. So I wasn't at the stores shopping and bringing them home. I wasn't bringing them into my home. I was very guarded in that area. Now we have the Internet to where, you know, your eyes just being on the net can see things that you never intended to see. And then you can begin to take liberties, and you can get tangled up in a bondage that you never, maybe never was part of, or maybe it's been a bondage for you. I just know my nature that that would be trouble for me, and I need to guard myself. I need to stay away from it. It's bondage. We need to stand fast in the liberty. But realize when we say liberty, we think of freedom 
Paul also tells us in chapter 5, verse 13, for you brethren have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. The liberty isn't to self-serve. The liberty is to serve others. Because he goes on to say, but through love serve one another. I've told you guys about um, our son, John. He was here last week, and, and it was glad to have him with us. And uh, all the surprises that Lily was making for me that I had no knowledge that was going on. Um, by John and Catherine being here and then having a surprise birthday party, which was six weeks after my birthday. So I was surprised. <laughs> it was so bad that when we pulled into the uh, Forest Preserve and I even saw the name Pinnell on the sign, I just said to Johnny, look, Pinnell, like, I know there's other Pinnells out there. I'm not the only one. And so even at that point, I didn't get it until we came around the corner and I saw a harvest sticker on the back of one of the vehicles. And then I instantly, it's like, all right, where's Lily's car? It's out there somewhere. But even as we were walking up, I didn't know what was going on. And there was the happy birthday surprise. And it was like, that was six weeks ago. I... But Johnny, as a child, had a servant's heart. And we saw that when he was growing up. He liked to help people. Oftentimes in church, when we were, at the time, um, a fairly large church in Libertyville, and they had the Easter or Christmas musicals, and because I played for the musicals, Lily at, at one or two times actually acted in the musicals, because we were there, so the kids were there. We were there, they were there, and I just remember one time that one of the guys was helping build the set, and Johnny was just underneath him the whole time. He was probably about eight or nine years old. And the guy was so gracious because he was allowing Johnny to, to help, even though he was probably in the way more than helping. But he had a servant's heart at an early age, and I saw that. When they went to Mexico to Tijuana on a missions trip, Johnny, as a freshman in high school, gave away all the money we gave him because he saw the need. He gave away his skateboard, knowing that dad would probably buy him another one. But anyways, <laughs> he still, he gave it away because he saw the need that was there. It was a servant's heart. And somewhere around that same time, he started serving himself. And you know, when we turn to self-serve, we destroy our lives because God has created us to serve one another. And so the liberty we have in Christ Jesus is not to use that liberty to take advantage of fleshly desires or appetites, but as Paul says in Galatians 5.13, but through love serve one another. So these guys came in, they came in in stealth to spy out the liberty that they had in Christ Jesus that might bring us into bondage. And then he says in verse 5, we didn't yield submission even for an hour we didn't even think about it because we knew the message was wrong that the truth of the gospel might continue with you next week we'll see in verse 11 where paul says i even had to at one occasion get into peter's face and we'll learn about that next week but i'll just quickly tell you what happened is that peter came up to antioch and he's hanging out with the gentiles now peter is the first one who preached the gospel to the gentiles he knew better more than anyone else. And then these guys came in from Judea, from Jerusalem, 
This is how bad it got. Paul will say that Peter withdrew himself, which caused other Jews to withdraw themselves. And then Barnabas, Paul's right-hand man, also stepped back from the table. He knew better. Peter knew better. And Paul said, I had to get in his face on this one. He couldn't let it go by because they were distorting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and he says, we didn't submit to them even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would be with us. We thank you for the message of the gospel. We thank you, Lord, that it is salvation through Christ alone without the works of the law. And I pray, Lord, that we understand that the liberty that we have in you, Lord Jesus, is not a liberty to serve our flesh, but to serve others. I pray, Lord, that you would work in our lives, prick our hearts to do what you would have us to do. And Lord, that we would realize, even in the service, if we're a little nervous, that it is truly you who works effectively in us and desires to work through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847 265 0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.